Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Ethan Schultz. I'm your host of the True You Podcast. Here at True You, we have conversations with people living their best lives in hopes that you will gain value. Enjoy. And we are live back in the True You studio for the 69th episode. Today, we are blessed to have Miss Deborah Foy on with us. And uh, Deb is also a coach with Novus Global who discovered her passion for the human race after receiving her own coaching experience through a transformative season in her own life. She fearlessly left behind a successful IT career to embark on a new adventure in the coaching space and since has reinvented herself into a six-figure executive coach. She simply invites people, teams, and companies to flirt with their greatness and live out their best versions of themselves. As an associate partner and coach for the Meta Performance Institute, she believes that everyone can transform their life and live the life they were meant to live and fulfill what they're capable of. And her story is living proof. Her life's mission is to create a space for people to redefine, reinvent, and live fully alive in what's possible. And her deep care and inspirational ethos has led her to become a sought-after coach for Fortune 500 companies. Miss Deb, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ethan. It's awesome to be with you. I know. I always have so much fun with you. I'm excited. Deb and I have spent... uh, well, we've, we got the chance to get a little coaching in with each other, which is always fun. And we're in breakout rooms together and I just love your energy. Yeah, same. And you're up in uh, Michigan for contacts. Is that where you're yeah. hiding out at? Yeah, that's where I hide out at. Yep. That's where I yeah. get in trouble. <laughs> R- riding your Trek bike around up there, aren't you? Yeah. That's yeah right. We, we've joked here in this space, uh, Deb's uh, avid. You, you work out a lot. You're actually you're, you're. Tell us about your. Let's start with that. Start a little off topic. The the working out. Your your biking and your daughter. I think also did some stuff too. Let's. Yeah. Let's well, actually, I used to be a personal trainer. Um, okay. Back, uh, I've reinvented myself several times. So, uh, and but I was also um, a marathon runner. Um, so I've run ten marathons. And I've done a handful of triathlons. And I think that passion's passed on to my daughter. So she competes um, at Liberty University on the triathlon team. And then uh, just recently walked on and made the D1 track and cross country team. Oh, wow. Yeah. Proud mama moment. And that's a lot of, a lot of experience yourself. How, how do you think that actually, because that's, that's fascinating how, you were at that high of a level competing in that space. How is that translated into coaching? Yeah, definitely. Um, I believe it's really, uh, it was some of the foundations beside my work experience uh, that had led me to coaching. And I think the um, performance side of of being an athlete really ties into like, uh, what am I capable of? And I think I've, you know, from a physical standpoint, you know, when you're working out, like you really uh, have a lot of tension about what are you capable of? Are you capable of running a marathon? So the very first time that I was uh, contemplating to run a marathon, you know, I think all of us go like, I'm not so sure I can run one, you know? And then, then not only do you run one, then I got bit by the bug and then you want to get better. 
um, because one of those tens were the Boston Marathon. So it was like, oh, am I capable of running a marathon? Oh, no, am I capable of running an elite marathon and qualifying for it? Um, so you continue to expand what you're capable of. So it was just part of, a, you know, the foundation of me becoming a coach. Did you have some of that? What am I capable of meta in your blood before? It sounds like boil over from, is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, the start, um, but then um, coming into the coaching world really expanded that for me. Yeah. Um, so on your journey to becoming a coach, like where, like what were the biggest breakthroughs or experiences that stood out for you to, yeah, become a yeah. coach and being what what stands out for you on your journey here? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for my journey, my own personal journey, and then the journey that I walk with with my clients is how as human beings we get in our own way. Um, there are so many elements of, you know, the narratives that we have around certain things or uh, what we see as possible or um, just how we see life in general, ourselves, others, and the world, and how that can just um, really get in the way of the very things that we really want to enjoy and celebrate. And uh, I love that space with uh, clients because I remember it so vividly of of kind of running up against that mirror and seeing that that that's the, the moment that I call of getting a glimpse of yourself in the mirror. And you just get that visual of like how you're getting in your own way. Um, and there could be many things that, that do that. Yeah. Ownership, right? Mm -hmm. Like, which is one of the most resistant spaces I find in coaching too, is like that look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. it's, um, oftentimes it's, e well, I've noticed myself and others in coaching that it's really easy to come up with other reasons outside of ourselves of why things aren't going the way that we want them to go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, it's always something the, else. <laughs> yeah. The transformation happens when we stick to the ownership side of things. Like how am I contributing to these, this, these experiences or this world? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any like, uh, I love that topic. I'm wondering what we could dig into with that. Is there any experiences that like, you've had with clients or yourself that mm -hmm. like were, were really like powerful ownership shifts? Yeah. I mean, I've had many um, executives that I've worked with, high level executives that um, have done a lot of leadership things, right? Like we're, we, I think as organizations and just, um, leaders in general, we can become addicted to like uncovering, you know, new formulas or new information. Um, and, and, and I think what really in, in the whole ownership scheme of things is how we can then take those epiphanies and um, understandings and concepts and actually apply them into our life of transformation. So I've been on uh, one person comes to mind that I was, um, coaching and, and they had done a host of leadership classes and leadership um, seminars and leadership uh, programs with their company. And he literally said to me in the moment, because, you know, when in the coaching moment, right, it's this, the rawness of what's coming up for people. And, and he said, and, and he had that glimpse of himself in the mirror in that moment in time and said, wow, I had never experienced such a a powerful moment that he then took into and actually 
um, did some work around and pressed into some uncomfortable aspects of his leadership. And he said, I've, I've done so many things, but n- there's not been one thing that has really been a sustainable change for me. So he actually, what he uncovered in the coaching space, he then took to his team and then kind of flushed it out with his team and, and started to then lead differently and was getting yeah. different results. This will be fun to go like to talk about teams and organizations with you because you have a lot of experience in that. And I, I, um, I'm wondering like ownership and teams and, and, and companies, like how, how big of a deal has that been? Like, and like, what are, what are some of those, um, experiences or lessons or like, what, 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 what was that like? Like, because there's a difference between individuals and then taking it into like a team and a company and a culture, like, yeah. What's the yeah. out for you? Well, I think so often, um, when, when I experience, um, coaching a leader within teams is that, you know, they kind of use the analogy of, you know, we, we kind of just show up and make the donuts, right? We just show up with our teams and we have each, each of us have these systems that we bring to the conference room or to the project. And we then operate in those ways. Um, not really realizing how we then interact and how that impacts the team and how Im- that impacts the results. Um, and then when someone or the team is getting coached, they begin to realize that very thing that 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 very thing that we bring with us our narratives and 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 all those things uh, has has significant impact in the result of that project or that team that's really powerful to think about like the like a lot of leaders or or managers or whatever is like they kind of um watch over or uh you know what's the word um yeah supervise it rather than like lead from the front or like lead by example mm-hmm. like that's what's coming up for me i'm like wow how powerful is that when the leader takes ownership and then they follow suit mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that that uh, oh go ahead i was just gonna say and when it, it was as you were saying that what, <laughs> what comes up for me and i see often is that when the leadership starts to take a new level or a new narrative around that aspect of it of ownership the whole team then elevates their level of ownership as well mm-hmm. which is a great dynamic yeah that's interesting too because it makes me think about other organizations or other relationships that we have in our lives and how ownership can then open up opportunity for growth for all of those like intimate ones you know community driven ones whatever yeah because you're coaching the entire person so it leaks out in every aspect of their life um in significant ways that's really fascinating because I haven't ever really thought about how ownership is like, well, I, I'm, I'm sure it's come up, but I haven't like sat and like, wow, ownership opens up so much opportunity for connection and intimacy and mm-hmm. new vision. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. Ownership's often the the stickiest or the, like the, the one of the ones that I poke, you got to kind of get poked on a little bit. Like oftentimes people don't want to accept that. Like, how are you contributing? Every experience I have is an experience that I create, which. Yeah. It's um, hard to swallow. <laughs> right? It's a hard one to swallow. Yeah. 
Like, what do you mean every experience I have is an experience I create? You gotta be kidding me. That's not, yeah, not, yeah, that's, that's a hard accept sometimes. Yeah, is there any? Um, well, I, I already asked you for a story, but is there anything else in that, or like even like thinking about ownership and how it's related to teams and culture and shifts or like relationships? Is there anything else that that comes up for you or that you've noticed over mm. the the years yeah. of this work? Yeah. Well, I think um, you know the I would say the sister or the brother to that the ownership would be uh, awareness. I think in in the level of ownership that we um, have or don't have or choose. Um, I think a, a big component of that is um, awareness and what mm -hmm. is the level of awareness that we have, um, not only in our own being, uh, mm -hmm. but exteriorly um, to us. And, and so I find that um, I find when I coach teams and individuals that their level of awareness starts to um, expand um, and so does their ownership typically. Um, and there's tension within both of those pieces, um, but it can, it can be a healthy tension and an expansive um, as, at the same time because then there's growth in that space when that happens. Yeah. And as a coach, we often like are searching for tension almost it feels like at times, like, or like that, that, that gap or what's mm -hmm. missing or where are you stuck? And um, even as we're talking, I'm like, yeah, even like for an average listener here that, that has a team or a relationship or anything going on, like when you're stuck or when there's tension, that's like a, a great opportunity to, to love on or to ask questions and get curious around is when yeah. there's that. Yeah. But it's also counterintuitive, I think teams right because if there's conflict or if there's something tension um typically mm -hmm. as human beings we want to avoid it uh we in 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 most cases people see i think the tension conflict is a negative when in the coaching space right we invite people to that very space that that where that's where the magic can happen um that's where yes you can be uncomfortable but be okay with the uncomfortableness because there is uh, gold, I call gold, and growth yeah. underneath all that. Yeah, yeah, not to live in it, but to to sit in it and to explore in it, to get away from it, to truly to truly break away from it. Because it's, I love the counterintuitive uh, example or like the experience because it is because we want to get away from it, but it's like you go towards it to release that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's a fun um, space. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fun talking about ownership. Is there like any uh and we can go down the ownership path or any any path really that you want to go, but I'm I'm wondering just what else stands out for you and like um I guess breakthrough is the word coming up for me. Like, is there other moments of breakthrough besides I mean that that's a big piece of it, I feel, mm -hmm. but what yeah. other what are the other juicy yeah, I, yeah. I think part of the uh, a juicy component for me is that I think when you when I first start to coach teams and individuals, um, people do look outside of themselves um, for a the solution. Um, but I think coaching does bring it back and 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 go like because that's what, what what shows up the most I think in the teams and individuals is that you know, what is it 
inside of you and what is the how can you be the best version of yourself mm. and when leaders begin to ask themselves those types of questions and they then start to uh, live that out and then invite others to also live that out that's when we see cultures change um significantly they start to change and it's not in in, a, in it's a neutral positive way it's not like in a negative way it's it's wow what what is that about and to get and to stay curious right that yeah. neutral and curiosity to go like good to know you know don't shame out about it but like wow what what is that about what's what is there and uh, and uh, that's just such a great space it reminds me of tribal leadership the the have you read that or like yeah. the uh, like level five and like the we yeah. attitude of that like yeah. um mm -hmm. like that like when leaders truly grasp this and then the there's that impact that they want to invite in for the world it's like that we energy is there what would you share or is there an experience you have with tribal leadership or that sort of yeah, it's it's so interesting because yeah, I do have an experience, you know. So when you 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 coach people, um, they talk about the culture like it's a different thing. It's like an entity outside of them. And then, you know, it's like, no, everything, you know, you're contributing. You're a co-conspirator to your culture. And so like how are, you know, not that you want your leaders to treat you X how are you leading? Because everyone's a leader, right? No matter if you have five people or 500 people that you're leading, it's like, you know, the whole concept of, you know, be that leader that you want. And, and so often I have those conversation is how is your leadership qualities impacting the culture? Mm. And how do you want your, that culture to change? And so what are you going to commit? What are those, those uh, nuclear things that you can commit to, to impact the culture in the ways that you want to impact it? And, it, you know, I just, uh, I just recently got off a call that I'm um, coaching a uh, team and it was like, they committed to something um, that they've been talking about for quite some time. And uh, they're, they finally had stepped into that uncomfortable space and their, their leaders were like thrilled with it. Mm. And, and so it's like, what are those things? And they could be big or small, right? That you're going to then be committed to, regardless of what happens around you, that you're committed to because you have a vision. And the vision mm. might be, you know, how am I going to impact the culture? And then practically step in to that. And then see the results, right? You might, I always say you might face plant, you might stub your toe. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. That's why um, we call it shitty first draft, right? right? Exactly. We we do that that's a term we use is shitty first draft because every first draft is shitty. That's right. Even if even if it's a great one, there's always improved versions of it. But I love the co-conspirators to the the culture. Um, because we are, we are we're always contributing. Mm-hmm whether we we think we are or not even by withholding we're still contributing mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's right. it's it's really powerful to notice that like when you're mm -hmm. speaking there i'm like oh wow yeah like it makes me think of like you know 
what are the blind spots that we all carry? Mm-hmm. Like, um, God, it would be great if I remembered what this little square diagram was, but in gap community, we learned, I think actually I do remember it. It's like, what, what are the blind spots that like are completely blind that I don't know. And the world doesn't know. And then what mm-hmm. am I blind of that the world knows? And then what am I clear on that the world doesn't know? And then what are we both clear on? And like filling out that little diagram of like, what is all this? Yeah. Um, and, and this is a great chance where the lovely feedback that we all really, really just love to get from people. This <laughs> uh, <laughs> is an opportunity. I actually know we, we typically as humans don't like feedback, but Oh, right. I haven't met one. Laugh that cracks me up. We all love feedback. It's great. <laughs> no, it's a great chance though. Like with our blind spots, even asking, "Hey, you know, partner, lover, spouse, friend, colleague, what do you think are my biggest blind spots?" Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for those risk takers in the audience, that's a good one. That's right. um, yeah, it is. It's it's uh it's it's interesting. Like. Um, we are what what's the classic line where we are all capable of more than what we're currently creating and that we're all getting in our way somehow That's right. i love i love the that lingo of like we're contributing to everything like we're mm-hmm. we're constantly contributing so um yeah what's that other uh we just we just came out with uh, uh just making me think of these little diagrams now for some reason i got like a visual brain on this podcast but um david miller the the was the what's broken what's working what's confusing and what's that little diagram yeah 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 it's like what like what's working and then what's confusing what's broken and what's missing yeah as it relates to uh work yeah play right yeah it's interesting like even just those questions like sitting that's really, that's what coaching is, is slowing down and getting curious and us asking powerful questions or noticing things and guiding people. Yeah. But um, just sitting in those are like, it's just um, powerful. Oh, yeah. Powerful. Yeah. And then so often I'm in prior to coming to coaching for me, I, I, I didn't come from a space to go like, I'm just going to sit in those powerful questions. Yeah. But then just as you said, just to sit in those powerful questions and and marinate on them and then decide, get clear on what it is that you want. Yeah. And then define those things. Yeah. I've had a lot of doers and I was a big doer for a long time too, like like in the coaching space. So just like like action, action. And a lot of our the the especially like sales or business or worlds that we live in and operate in and especially in the information world or the fast paced world we live in. Yeah. It's like, go do take action. You know, like, like there's like that tendency I've, I've experienced and I I've um, seen in a lot of other people is to skip out on that, slow down and look at like, what, what is even my vision? <laughs> How yeah. am I contributing to the way things are? Yeah. What, and asking those other questions, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I love also is like when people start to get really reflective and say, what experience am I giving others? Mm. You know, for and when you have a team and to go, uh, you know, to refer, refer to them as an associate. And so what does that associate need to be the best version of themselves? 
and oh, and wow. and what do they need to start doing or stop doing or and how can I contribute to them being their best version of themselves? Like this is such a powerful place that, like you said, not too many teams and not too many cultures really put stock in that those spaces. Yeah. What do they need? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good one. Um, and Gap, we also said like, what are you longing, or what are what are they longing for? Right. There's like, um, and often all of our all of our complaints are not often. I think they they all have a longing beneath mm-hmm. them. Right. Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is a great ownership chat. Um, what else, Deb, where else are, what's standing out to you in this season of life? Like, where are you growing? What are you experiencing? What's new for you? Um, I think the energy conversation also is an interesting conversation of, um, you know, cause our goal live, they all go hand in hand to one another, right? Growth, ownership, love, integrity, vision, and energy. Mm-hmm. And I just find like, you know, when, when people really start to unpack uh, individuals, teams and cultures, when they start to unpack how they really distribute energy, Mm. what creates energy within teams, how do they distribute energy? How do they waste energy? Right. I've been talking to a lot of teams and cultures around um, momentum, motivation, especially today, you know, like in today's world, we're still coming out of COVID. And it's like, you know, so many people have talked about, you know, Groundhog Day, every, every day seems like it's Groundhog Day. And like in Groundhog Day, what's the energy like? What, what are we capturing? What are we committed to capturing the energy? And how are we going to then um, really impact others in the energy for teams, for projects, for uh, sustainable change and energy. You know, like I do references a lot that I think people, I think prior to coaching and I, and I find this when I start to work with people is that they have just settled for a certain level of energy. Mm. You know, oh, it's Monday. I just, I just was listening to something the other day about people mm-hmm. just have this energy. Oh, it's Monday. You know, it's the mundane Monday and maybe Monday I'll have different energy. And then Friday I'll have so different energy. So it's just so interesting how we as a society and culturally we relate to energy. Yeah. To me, the word reactive is coming up. Mm. Like um, (laughs) we go right back to big brother ownership and invite him in and like be like, what, well, what energy am I committed to? creating or like what what energy serves my vision or serves this purpose serves this meeting or this yeah this relationship yeah because i think we just gear down into neutral (laughs) you know yeah yeah it's like well because it's monday or because i didn't meet my quota or because it's snowing or raining i'm commit or not even like without even bringing like they're automatically like on autopilot to committing to this energy yeah. Um, which is interesting, like that internal versus external conversation again, too. It's like, well, if I take ownership and and can, you know, because we do have the ability to choose who we want to be, which mm-hmm. is a really often, I think, skipped possible like ownership thing for people to understand is like you get to control that you 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 really mm-hmm. do have that power. It's like, well, who 
who is the most resourceful max value version of me for this like today even like just right but if but if we have a boss that has a certain i'll say maybe low level of energy then then mm. i think like it's not talked about but then we have to match that energy because we can tell me more about that. that i want to hear more about that we, i it, this is you're the I, team queen you're the team queen yeah, you got all the what i found in america right right so yeah. if there's a leader um if my leader you know has a certain level of energy i can't then show up as a higher level of energy i have to like match his energy or be lower i think like i think some of that exists in corporate america um and then we then 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 that's how it occurs to us and then that's the narrative in which we operate in mm. around energy and energy and like way of being too if they're mm -hmm. i remember when i worked in corporate even as you're saying that i was like thinking visualizing the leaders that i've been beneath in, in corporate worlds and how their certain topics i don't talk to them about i just already have an assumption of who they they are yeah and what their values are that i won't go near that mm -hmm. so it's really interesting to think about that dynamic that dichotomy yeah. between you know um man culture is such a fascinating topic too and like how much this has to do with that Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and then even when you, and when you, even when you look at like how we, what I call merit raises and not all industries are still attached this way, but I know I do a lot of work in the automotive industry and it's still aligned with like, right. We're supposed to, as corporate America in the automotive industry set their, they're called GNOs, goals and objectives. And typically your goals and objectives are aligned with your merit raises for the year. And so if, uh, and so this is interesting, right? So I'm going to set a goal or a goal that I know I can achieve. So I get my merit raise. So mm. it's set up to go like, just do bare minimum rather than if I were to do like our intuitive fence, right? That what to do something I think is impossible. I would love to maybe set as a goal or an objective for the year, but I'm not going to do that because if, if I don't hit it, then I'm not going to get my merit raise. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. And you wonder why like these, like a lot of these corporations or companies are only getting this far or like aren't seeing new, like what are they capable of? They're incentivizing minimums. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What was I? I was just reading a book the other day and it was talking about like how some places really like you you like this still like clocking in or clocking out or like you have your quotas your numbers and like there's that that off switch after that or even like the the leaders can invite in like to turn it off after that mm. or to not invite in that curiosity mm. um that's really interesting like i want to stay on the team topic because i think you're really like like knowledgeable in this space and wondering like what else have you noticed um, when it comes to teams and how they affect each other and the culture? Like, is there anything else that stands out like that? Cause that's a big one. Is there yeah. anything else like that stands out that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen, I've seen teams when, um, you know, prior to coaching, they had um, so many things in place that were, I guess they just, um, settled for the level a certain level of vision and and they and they had some tension around challenging 
the vision, not only of the team, but of the culture. Like mm-hmm. there would be some people on the team that go, that could, we could so shatter that goal. And then there'd be other people on the team saying we can't, right? So you have, you have the, the full spectrum, but then, then, then in that team, they would then just go for the path of least resistance and they wouldn't attach to, no, let's go for the thing that's going to thrill our team. That's going to stretch our team and expand our team. We may not hit it totally, but even if we were to hit half of it, a quarter of it, we would still be beyond what we would have originally tried, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really, it, it's, it's interesting to then take the team that I, I call would settle for the path of least resistance and then see them as they have experienced the coaching experience to be the team that goes after business that they never thought they could be awarded and then get awarded that business. Yeah. How many um, in that transformation, like how many rackets and like, like, Mm. like I'm wondering what that process and coaching was like, because to me, I'm like, there's some insecurities or rackets that are there in the leadership, particularly that, that have prevented that or Mm. not invited in that vision. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I would say a lot of our tools um, we uncovered, like they were big rocks that we had to like unearth for them around, you know, their, their gaps, the rackets, um, disempowered, disempowered for sure, integrity issues, you know, within the team or within the culture. Um, and then, you know, our, the fun thing about broken commitments, right. Cause we make commitments, teams make commitments all the time. But I think like the ones that I'm thinking about right now is like, you know, the lack of an integrity around the entire team and the tolerating of the lack of integrity. Um, and, but the realization of the result of that and the impact of trust as well, right. When there's broken commitments and how, how as teams can we then build a growth process and restore trust versus just continue to eat away at those things when we break our commitments? Hmm. How often do you see, like, do you, in teams, do you see it? Um, I'm sure you see growth happen pretty quickly, but like in transformation within a team, like how do you typically see that go when you begin through like going into this work? Like, what are the results that you're used to seeing? Is there patterns that typically occur when people begin diving into this? Yeah, I think they wrestle, they first wrestle with it, with their own reality first. Um, Mm. So at at first people, you know, really rate themselves higher in integrity um, and empowerment first than 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 their reality. Um, then they begin, they get that glimpse of the mirror as it relates to those things. Um, they realize that their vision possibly does not align totally. Um, and so they do those adjustments. They begin to do those adjustments first. Uh, and then awareness starts to happen. And then they also start to see those misalignments with other people as a part of their team, possibly, or their management. Um, and then they begin to put it all together. Mm. And then it's when you, and then it's great when you can do this in a whole cohort 
and you can grow together. And so it's great when a team does this all together versus individuals or a leader. And then because then you have to bring other people along because that's new to them. It's counterintuitive to what they've been doing possibly. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. My brain's just going along with you. And like, I feel like after that, like phase of like the, like what you were just explaining and then it like kind of becomes the, the work is like lighter and you enjoy coming and processing this stuff more because oftentimes that's my experience. It's like, it can be a little bit grudging right away. And there's like that mm -hmm. smack in the face, but then you experience that shift and then results begin happening and it can really create that. Like you're talking about energy. Like yeah. I think even just from this transformation, energy just goes way up. Oh, absolutely. One person uh, in team comes to mind where it was, like you said, it was grungy and uncomfortable and sticky. I'll call it in the beginning for yeah. this team. And then all of a sudden, um, the break breakthroughs were happening, shifts were happening, uh, my the mindset was happening, changes, and what was happening, and, and then then energy started to happen, and then what happens is they were inviting they they were inviting each other into what I call their greatness. Yeah, and then you know you have the iron sharpening iron, and then you have these. Um, you know, it's the same day, it's the same concept kind of thing, but yet they're experiencing different results. They're experiencing different energy. They're experiencing new things that are exciting and thrilling mm -hmm. and the momentum and the motivation begins to change. And now it's like they're on fire and I'm talking to a whole new set of people than I, than I originally started talking to because it. all the shifts started happening for them. And it's this great space where you just see people come alive. How incredible is that? Yeah, incredible. That's awesome. We uh, we're flying through this bad boy, Deb. Deb Foy. <laughs> I love your energy. I could talk to you for hours, <laughs> hours. I'd keep you up late too with that Eastern Standard Time. That's right. Um, <clears throat> I love that we're talking about teams, and like I I uh, I want to like a. In, in, if there's like a message or any like general, like for the audience that is a part of a team or has created mm -hmm. a team or is creating a team, like how would you speak to them in general about setting out and yeah, stepping into that for the mm -hmm. leader of a team? Yeah, I think I, I really love, um, I really do invite people around the go live acronym, right? Get really clear and unpack and flush out from individual perspective and a team what your current reality and what you want to build as it relates to growth, ownership, love, integrity, vision, and energy. And you're going to say, love, what the heck, we're in corporate America. And it's like, no, like, do people actually love to come to work? Do they love what they do? Do they yeah. love their colleagues and associates, right? And, and it's like, how do they, how do they show up? Because like, would you want someone who loves what they're doing and loves the people that they're doing it with, or would you want the opposite? And like, how could you press into those things? Do you want someone who shows up and is really excited to grow? Or do you want someone who is just comfortable? Yeah. You know, it's like when you get really clear on those things and then what are the visions, what are your individual visions and how do they align? 
And like, yeah. you know, we're all here. We all have the same amount of hours. We're all on this planet, right? Like, what is it that I, that, that you individually and as a team get to impact? And how mm. excited are you to do that? Like that you can live like that again. And mm. we want to live like that again. And how are you going to live like that again? I love it. Transform yeah. your teams. Yeah. I love it. Well, Miss Deb, where can we find you? Where can we stalk you? Can we get your uh, website, Instagram, email? Where Where is Deb? Yeah. So I, you can email me at Deb or at, yeah, Deb at no or deb novas.global sorry at, <laughs> deb, at novas. deb at novas.global <laughs> sorry oh, deb at novas.global my oh, website is debfoy.com simple Love it. and yeah, then nice. you can always reach me novas on the novas website novas global right i love it and um my instagram is deb novas so i'm all about novas and i I'm love all it about novas, your information novas. man she will transform your team, ladies and gentlemen. She will hold the space for you to transform your team. How about That's that? That's right. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Deb. I always enjoy chatting with you every chance I get. Your energy is amazing. And uh, and this is a great episode. And I can't wait to share it to the world. And um, yeah, until next time. Ms. Thanks, Deb, thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Good Buds Co., GoodBuds is a Southeast Minnesota leading cannabis brand that is actively inspiring people to grow their belief in the benefits of the plant while creating a vision for better health, economic change, and community awareness. Their scientifically proven products have gotten raving reviews and are an absolute top choice to boost your overall wellness with a natural solution. And as a social business, GoodBuds prides itself in being a give-first company. After all, we could use a good bud. Find them at www.goodbudsmn.com and for a 10% discount on your next purchase, enter in TRUE-U, all lowercase, and enter that in the coupon code space upon checkout. Also, be sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook by searching GoodBudsMN. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the True You Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Schultz. Until next time, deuces.